listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today, we're excited to have in studio with us the CEO of Rescore, Credit Rescore, Jana Fox. Jana, welcome to the studio. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, we're, we're so excited to have you because we're talking about maybe not the funnest topic in the world, but one that is critically important, not only in real estate, but really in, in all of your financial life. And, and I'm really excited and I'm hoping that, among other things, we have a lot of young people listening to this that don't make some of the mistakes I've made over the years uh, with credit. So, so great to have you here. And uh, let's just jump right in. Right. So uh, it's a real sort of simple question to start with, because not everybody knows it, which is, is what does a credit score number mean and how do we get it? It's kind of the basis. Give us that 20,000 foot view. I have a credit score of whatever I have, 687. What does that mean? That's a really good question. So and I wish there was a very simple answer. First of all, depending on where you're getting your credit score is um, it's actually pretty important. So you have online scores that everybody knows about, like Credit Karma, Identity IQ, things like that. Those are actually called Vantage scores. They're different than what a lender pulls. And then a lender is going to use a FICO score. And then also anytime you get a credit card, if you go to a car dealership, they're using a FICO score. Most people don't understand that those are actually two different things. So it's a credit score, yes, but it's, it's not the same. How, how similar are they? And can I get a FICO score then? So you can get a FICO score if you go and apply for a home loan, if you go apply for a personal loan, um, a credit card, or a car loan. So anybody that's actually going to be, if you will, passing money over, if that makes sense. A Vantage score, you can just get online. So a normal consumer can put in all their information, and then they can get a score. Um, I have seen Vantage scores, they typically are a little bit higher than your actual FICO scores. Um, So... I've seen them be 30 points higher. I've seen them be 100 points higher. They just, wow. yeah, they grade very differently. So um, they will grade. So if you're looking at your scores online, they grade credit card balances very heavy. So if you have credit cards that are older with a very low balance, you're going to think that your scores are just like through 750 or higher. Um, with the FICO score, when they actually pull that, it's going to put that in the equation, but they don't that's not like the end all be all like it typically is with online scores. So wh- whether it's a, a credit or a vantage score, what what are the kinds of things just for people that are just brand new to this mm-hmm. concept? What are the kinds of things that are taken into consideration to come up with this magical number? So what it is, is um, they're grading you on number one, how many trade lines or credit lines you have. They're going to grade you on how long you've had those trade lines. So history is so important, and that is with FICO scores or Vantage scores. History, history, history. So I always joke around, but it's it's legit. You don't want to close your credit cards out. You want to keep your credit cards until your grandchildren have children. That's how important it is. So you want history. Very important. So how long you've had trade lines, how many trade lines, how high your balances are, and if you have any negative items. And when I say negative items, I mean if you have any collections, if you have any late or slow pays, um, if you have any charge-offs, repossessions, foreclosures, things like that. Another thing that a lot of people don't understand is your credit score that you pull is a snapshot of what's going on 
right then. So let's say I get my credit pulled in October and my credit card balances are very high. Then I get those paid down and I go and get my credit pulled in November. My scores are going to be better in November than they were in October. So a lot of people think it's not something that they gather all this information for six months and then give you a score. It's what's going on right then. Just like if I would Google in Kansas City, what's the weather in Kansas City right now? It's going to give me that information right then, not from a week ago. Sure. So it's a, it's a real-time snapshot. Yeah. So but before we uh, move into sort of improving, which is what a lot of people are really interested in, let, let me ask some questions because I think these might be, and some of them I might even have, but uh, some common misconceptions. You, you mentioned that uh, it was about the, um, the number of inquiries um, and, and the length of them or the age of them. Uh, so the number of credit lines or the number of, of essentially things I'm borrowing. Um, the assumption would be that, that less is better, right? Is that, but that's, you're smiling. That's not a real assumption. That's not a, an accurate assumption, is it? No. So is more better? Is there? So th- this is what I like to tell people. In my professional opinion and what I've seen, the best way to have a good thick credit profile is ideally to have four trade lines and what I, or credit lines, however you want to say it. So a house, a car. And two credit cards. And two credit cards. Thank you. So you want two installment loans, which is exactly what you just said. That's going to be either a car loan okay, or so a home loan or a personal loan. So that's an installment loan. So you okay. want two installment loans and then you want two credit cards. Now I'm going to tell you too, it's better to have a major credit card than an department store card. It's going to be better for your FICO So Visa, scores. MasterCard, American Correct. Express. I don't know if Diners Club is still out there or not. Right. And maybe I'm showing my age. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard of Diners Club? I have seen it uh, like at Mastro's maybe or, or some of those fancy restaurants. I never had a Diners Club card. Uh, Amex is my preferred, but yeah, but that's, that's what you want. So that's going to be, give you a good thick credit profile. And then you want those trade lines to mature and have history behind them. So I also tell people to be careful if you have an installment loan, let's say you go to get a personal loan and you pay it off in six months. And literally people will brag to me about that. Like, Oh, I got a personal loan. I paid it off in six months. I'm sorry. Because what's happened is anytime you get a new trade line, your scores actually dip down by 10%. It takes about 90 days to work its way back up. And then it really starts helping your scores, if you will, after six months. And then after 12 months, it's really on the road to improving your scores every month. So you don't want to have an installment loan that you pay off in six months because you really haven't done anything to help your credit. Gotcha. So... Because that's counterintuitive too. Mm-hmm. At least, oh, yes. You know. This credit thing's a game. Let's be honest, right? It's a money-making machine. I it's, mean, it's, honestly, the consumer is kind of set up to fail. If I want to get really technical with it, it is literally just a money-making machine. That's what it is. So you have to continually have rolling credit game. and et cetera, et cetera, which of course costs you money. Of course. Uh, yeah. Let let's uh, let's talk about the score number itself a little bit just to give some perspective. And Jen, we're going to uh, rely on your expertise and memory here because uh, I always have to go look these numbers up. But uh, when it comes to securing a home loan, there's some credit numbers uh, that uh, there's there's some gates, if you will. So um, what is the? Do you remember? I'm, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. FHA was there you six twenty. Six twenty. It went up to 640 for a short while because of the COVID scare, right? Uh, loans got harder to get. People were concerned about loaning money generally. I heard in one of the sales meetings that I was in uh, just last week that um, one of the lenders has come back down to the 620 mark for that FHA. They're starting to 
loosen those standards just a smidge. Now, I think there are some lenders that can go down to 590. That's my understanding, but the, there are few and far in between. So and that yeah. 590 is a drop dead, and that's got to be your middle score, something we haven't really dug into yet. But there's three scores that come to a lender, those FICO scores you were talking about, three scores that come to a lender when they're looking at whether to loan you money or not. And that mid score, 520 is pretty much a drop dead number. 620. Six, 590 is one that some lenders can get to, okay? Five, right. That is, but not very many. And so 620 is that FHA score that's a drop dead score. So. so so it's a general rule from a real estate perspective. In the snapshot, as Jana said, because that could change tomorrow, right? Um, we're, in, we're in the midst of some interesting news coming out. Um, we'll see if that does anything to credit scores or not, because they did bump that up to the 640 for a while, and we hadn't seen that for years. Yeah. So, so tell me, because Jen, I know uh, at, at Rescore you guys work with a lot of lenders, but you also work with a lot of car dealerships, insurance companies, etc. Where does buying a car fit into that in terms of credit scores? What's a, what's a good, solid number that people should feel like they should have that will allow them to secure a car loan? So with a car loan, it's alarming to me how low they can go with their FICO scores. So typically when someone's coming to me to get their credit repaired, um, they're trying to look for a better interest rate. They don't want to pay that 21%, oh, 27%. Oh, it's, it's atrocious. Don't pay it. Yeah, exactly. But people have to have a car, yeah. especially if you live in the suburbs, you know, there isn't busing systems, things like that. So we really get our like hands tied behind our back. So in the car dealership world, they're going to be using us just so, you know, even if somebody goes ahead and gets that car and they're at that 17% interest or something like that, then they'll, we'll go ahead and clean them up and then we send them back over to the car dealership so they can refinance or get a different car or something like that. So that's more typically what that is. Um, car dealerships can go down really low, 580, 560, but you're talking about a horrible payment and you're upside down instantly. So it's really right. important that you have decent credit scores. I would say anytime that you have a 650 640, 620, you're, you're okay to get a car loan. And of course, the better your FICO scores are, the lower the interest rate's going to be. How high does the score go? What's the top? 850. 850. Ever seen an 850? No. You know what, though? I'm glad you said that. So like six years ago, I was stunned. Uh, there was a 80-year-old man and he had had a credit card that was older than me. So that's old. But um, <laughs> so he- So uh, it was 24 years, 25 years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was 24 years old. Uh, <laughs> but uh, his credit score was the highest I had ever seen. Uh -huh. And it was a, a eight, oh, he was two points from 850. Yeah. So he was like 848, something like that. Yeah. 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 I've, seen, and, I've seen an 846 before and he in was the renter's so world. Yeah. He wanted his two points. Yeah. Oh, man. I've seen, I've seen an 845. Points. Have you? Yeah. It's very rare. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I've seen it. Uh, and, and to brag a little bit, it was me. I have no clue how I got there. And it's not there today. But uh, yeah, it was. A, I, I went to buy a car years ago and mm -hmm. it was the first thing I'd bought in a long time. And uh, it was it was a great conversation, too. Eric doesn't get rid of anything. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> That's why his score is so high. That's right. Yeah. I no, still have the, no, I still have the credit card I, I got. I saw the diner's club you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody accepts it anymore, but the line's still open, baby. That's uh, uh, awesome yeah no good for so, you that's great that's, yeah well it's not there anymore so well, I, good I, for you I, back I, then I'm, yeah i'm complimenting yeah. back then yeah yeah he's the still snapshot. fiscally responsible he's fine <laughs> nah. well you know what's interesting and a lot of people don't know too so within fico itself there's 56 different versions of fico so if you go in today and you apply for a mortgage loan and then you go in today and you apply for a car loan and you go in today and you apply for a credit card they're using different versions of fico 
So your ah. scores will be different. Well, this was a car loan, so. Okay, so they are, so typically car dealerships are going to be using FICO version 8 or 9, and then it's the car version of that FICO score. So they grade very heavily on what your car history looks like. Oh, which if is, you always pay on time, yeah. things like that. And then if you would go to apply for a credit card, they're going to look at your overall credit, but then they're also going to look at really heavily on that credit card line. Do you pay your bills on time? Do you max your credit cards out? How long have you had your credit cards? So it'll be different than when they pull from a car dealership. For the consumer though, because this is fascinating and I love it, but is there really much that a consumer needs to worry about those kinds of nuances? Um, It depends on how serious they are about, I see my loan officers, I say my loan officers, my referral partners get beat up because they'll say, hey, I just went down the street a month ago and got a car loan and they were telling me that my credit score was 720. Now you're pulling my credit and you're telling me I'm a 680. So what's important is that that as a consumer, you understand that there are variations. And I, yeah. I think I think the really telling thing that, that I've learned already so far is that the Vantage score, the one I'm getting off of my checkbook software that just pulls it automatically every month, could be wildly different than Correct. the actual FICO score that a lender might use. So I think that's really important knowledge. Yeah. Um, when, uh, what about, let's jump to inquiries, because this is one of the, the great things. These are one of the myths, or, or maybe truths, you're gonna about to you're about to enlighten me, that I've always grown up with, I hear from clients, well, I don't want anybody else to, to take a look at my credit because multiple inquiries are gonna hurt my score. Now, what's, what's the truth? I think this is the biggest misconception I think that I deal with when I'm talking to consumers. So here's a good rule of thumb. You don't wanna get your credit pulled more than 10 times in a 12 month period. If you do, that's when it can start lowering your scores, if you will. Also understand it's on a percentage. It's not like if you get your credit pulled on the 13th time or 14th time, they're going to yank 25 points from you. It's about 2% to 3%, but it's on percentages. Now, the more you get your credit pulled after that allotted time, if you're going and you're getting your credit pulled 20 times in a month, what that's doing is that's alerting FICO or the algorithm of like, well, what's happening? Why is this person going out and getting their credit pulled over and over? Are they seeing a disaster in sight that they're trying to get all kinds of credit, get approved to live off of that and they won't be able to pay it? So it's a big red flag, but 10 times in a 12 month period is okay. Here's the other thing that people don't understand that's really important. If you go to apply for a home loan with a lender, you have what's called the right to shop. So you can get your credit pulled, a mortgage pull, 15 up to 15 days as much as you want and it's not going to count against you it's 15 days from your first pull getting a mortgage pull getting your credit pulled by a mortgage a loan officer so it'll show up on your fico report because anybody that pulls your credit it has to show up but it's not going to be quote unquote docked against you so well, that's super important to the consumer yeah. right yes. because we hear that and well i don't want this lender to pull my credit again because I already had it pulled. Well, you've got the right to shop. And I right. think that's so important that we have that. And, and that's a great piece to everyone listening is that you do need to shop this and you have the right Thank to shop you. it without this affecting your credit score negatively when you're looking for your largest financial investment, right? Or your largest financial asset. This is so important. The interest rate is tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. So it's really important. Yes. Well, and I think that's, you know, we always counsel people to shop lenders. And I think this just sort of uh, also parameterizes it. If you're going to shop lenders, get it done in two weeks. 
Correct. To spend two weeks and shop all the lenders you want, and it doesn't really matter, right? right. I mean, most people are only going to shop three, maybe four lenders at the outside. Most people will shop two, right? But but at least we, you know, you can know with confidence do that. It doesn't affect your score, and then. Even if you were outside of that 15-day window, as long as you're not doing it more than 10 times in a year, along with whatever you add for potentially a car or a credit card, um, then you're really not necessarily affecting yourself. And, exactly. and, it, and, and when you do affect yourself, um, you're doing it in a, in a sort of a scaling way. It's not like I'm immediately going to lose 100 points. Right. Um, so, uh, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, I, I know the whole concept of not having a lot of debt is in again intuitively sort of like oh well i have the house loan i have two car loans because uh, my spouse and i have cars and we're paying off on both of those i've got a student loan and uh three credit cards so i'm pretty you know but i make a lot of money and and that's great but i'm going to pay off two of those credit cards and close out those accounts and that's going to make my credit better so that concept of paying something off and getting rid of it now the reality of your financial picture it might make it better, but that's not the reality with your credit picture, is it? Exactly, and I think that's the uh, another really big misconception. Or when someone feels like they don't, I don't. Oh, I don't have credit cards. I pay all my cars with cash, and then they think they're going to look up their credit score, and it's going to be this stellar credit score, and they're shocked to find out that they don't even have a credit score. So it is important that you have trade lines. So you have to look at trade lines or credit lines, however you know interchangeable. You have to look at it like homework. If you don't turn your homework into the teacher, they have nothing to grade you off of. If you do not have trade lines, when you go to pull your FICA score, they have nothing to grade you off of. They have no idea if you're safe, if you're going to be responsible with your trade lines, if you're gonna pay them on time, so on and so forth. So you have to play the game in order to have a FICO score. So again, the good rule of thumb is having those four trade lines, two installment loans and two credit cards. That's really gonna give you that good thick credit profile. But no, you will not have a good FICO score or credit score if you only have one credit card that's three months old or you only have one credit card that's even five years old it's just not going to give you that enough everything depth. you can it exactly. doesn't give you enough depth of credit picture for anybody to make an analysis of whether you're credit worthy or not for them to loan money to it's really difficult to make that assumption based on one line of credit exactly now let, let's shift gears a little bit because if you know you have a bad credit score or if you find out you have a bad credit score, like frequently as realtors, what we'll say is we might tell them, you know, let's get you in, in front of your lender. They're going to have some advice, et cetera. As it turns out, lenders turn to you frequently or companies like yours to, to help consumers. Or it could be that you just know your credit's a mess. Uh, and, and you and you, you, you want to had a medical incident or whatever your child had. So, I mean, things do happen and we are very understanding of that. And, yes. you know, as a property provider, I try and be extremely understanding of life, life incidents that have affected credit. But I think you're well, going to get to. And to be what honest, what do we do with this? Right. <laughs> like, I know I screwed up. OK, next. Yeah. You know? I was going to say I, I, I'm perfectly understanding when people just make bad decisions. And, and I'm a little less understanding of that, but uh, I, I, maybe <laughs> I've made a lot more in my life than you have. Well, let me tell you how many terrible things I've done with money. So when, <laughs> when somebody comes into me and says, well, yeah, I know I should have paid that off, but instead I went to Disney World or we had great parties. Or I'm like, yeah, I get it. I really do. But let's fix it. Let's start being, you know, so uh, I, but when they go, all right, now I need to do something about my credit. We've made that decision as a consumer. The, the plethora of 
of things out there, people out there, entities and businesses that say, oh, we're going to fix this and we're going to fix that. And, and to be honest, the, the reality of it has to be because there's so much in the way I see it on the Internet that there's a lot of people out there that uh, are probably people I don't want to be dealing with. So, so how do I pick, right? I, obviously, the easy way is to call Jenna and, and Rescore. But if I don't do that, how do I pick a, a reputable group to help me uh, work on my credit? How do I do that? So unfortunately, in the credit repair industry, there's a big black eye. Um, just because there are a lot of companies out there that promise high and deliver very low, or a lot of individuals that decide that they cleaned up their own credit and they know what they're doing, and so they try to open shop in their basement and deal with people's credit. So the first thing you wanna look for is you wanna make sure that the company that you sign up to help you with your credit is only paying, or you're only paying rather, for results. So the companies out there that are doing a month to month, you pay $99 a month or $150 a month for them to get things removed off your credit or help you with your credit, really there's no motivation on their side to actually get something removed from the credit report or to yeah, they improve. need they, they just want you to keep paying, paying that recurring income. Yeah. Yeah. So and for them to drag it out, it's actually as a business model, it's a lot smarter and wiser for them <laughs> to drag it out for There's a year. There's another industry that does this. This shall remain nameless. <laughs> yep. So they will drag it out for a year or a year and a half and they'll say, Well, you didn't get in this situation overnight, so it's we can't fix it overnight. That's BS. Is that okay to say? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's not going to jump yeah. us to an adult yeah, rating. Yeah. It's not going to bleep me out. Okay. So <laughs> no, if you said that's effing BS, then we'd have a problem. Got but. you. Got so keep that part out. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So so that that isn't correct. That people can get their credit repaired much quicker than that. They're doing that for a business model. So you want to make sure that you're only paying for results. For example, the way my company does it is we go after 25 collections and we only remove 15. We're only gonna charge for the 15 we removed, not the 25 we went after. So there's little to no risk to work with us because if we can't get something removed, we're not gonna charge them. There's a few other companies out there, uh, credit repair companies that do it that way. So I would highly recommend that number one, you wanna make sure that you're only paying for results and they're not dragging it out. The other thing that's very important is they want to have some kind of attorney partner. The reason why is because believe it or not, 79% of all credit reports contain errors. 79%. Wow. And I'm not saying that the person didn't go to the hospital and get a bill and it went to collections. What I'm saying is the way the bureaus and the collection companies report, like the way they code things is incorrect. So it actually causes more damage than what it should. So if you're just a regular credit repair company, let's say I'm a guy in the basement cleaning up people's credit, I don't really have any authority. I can go ahead and send out things in a letter and be like, this isn't fair but I really can't do anything. It'd be like me trying to pull somebody over that I saw speeding. I have no authority. <laughs> you know, I can yell at them, but I have no authority. So when a credit repair company partners with an attorney, that's that authority piece because by law, credit reports have to be timely, accurate, and verifiable. So we know that. So we go through, or these other credit repair companies that have that law piece, they go through and they say, this is coded incorrectly. This is coded incorrectly. This is against the law. You have two choices. You can have a lawsuit on your hands or you can remove it. And then all is good. So you want the law piece and only being charged for the items removed from the credit report. That's very important. And then the education part. Because we can, credit repair industry can go in and clean somebody up. But if the consumer is completely blind and clueless on why they yeah, have good credit they or why there. they don't, yeah. then you're not really doing anything for them. 
But understand that a lot of times this is not a character rating, it's a credit rating. And so many times life happens. Most of our clients that we see, and, and I've been in the credit repair industry for nine years, so I've seen all kinds of things. But it's typically someone lost a job, someone went through a divorce, um, somebody just didn't know what they were doing, they don't have credit established. Many times it's not the idea that this person's just lazy and they don't care about credit. 90% of the time, they have a story, they have a why, and not to mention, again, this is all a money-making machine. So if one thing goes wrong with somebody's credit, that can tank someone's points, 80 points, 100 points, 50 points. If people have lower FICO scores, they pay higher interest rates, which means there's more money circulating in the economy. They want, this blows people's mind, but if you really think about it, it makes sense. They want people to have low FICO scores. They want that. So they're gonna do everything they can to make sure that people have low FICO scores. Trust and believe we see it all the time. Well, I, I, I doesn't surprise me that the credit industry is self-serving. Lots of industries are self-serving. Yeah. Uh, how, um, it, it, even in just a little we've talked about, and of course I deal with credit pretty regularly with my clients, uh, I'm learning stuff. So this is there, there's a lot of information, and, and I don't think that most consumers are going to become credit experts. Uh, so they're gonna need a professional to help them. And if they're in a situation where they really want to get their credit cleaned up, they're going to come to you at Rescore or some other professional, hopefully that is only charging them for the work that's being done and that also has lawyers on staff or is teamed with a law firm. But but uh, what can they help me out in terms of one of the fears, like we were talking to a designer in a previous podcast, and one of the fears with working with designers is you get the word designer and there's this monetary barrier to industry, in, uh, barrier entry. to entry, yeah, whatever, barrier to something. Yeah. And people are, oh, <laughs> you said designers, it cost me $900 yes. to have somebody come in to change a pillow. So wh what's a ballpark um, that somebody can feel like maybe with your company that they're gonna be spending, let's say they're in a, in a, uh, low, maybe a mid to low 500 score and they want, and, and we're going to do some repair. I mean, is this something that I should be planning on spending a couple hundred bucks on a couple thousand bucks on? What do you, I mean, obviously it's going to vary, so I'm not trying to pin you down. Yeah, no, no worries. That's a great question. Um, I would say, again, I've been in the credit repair industry for nine years. So I would say the average amount that people pay for credit repair is anywhere between 500 to $700. It can be as low as $65 and it can go up to a little over a thousand, depending on what's going on. Typically that 500 client that you're looking at, they probably have just a few collections, believe it or not, they probably just don't have enough credit established. That's when you really get those low, low, like 500s. They just don't have anything producing a score. So I would say, just to answer your question, 500 to $700 okay. on average. Right. Excellent. I wonder if we computed that to what they'd save in interest rate, what that oh, number would be. It's, it's pretty astronomical, yes. I'm sure. And, oh, yeah. and I think, again, your statement about 79% of credit reports being inaccurate, I think that one of the messages we can convey to our listeners is just don't be afraid to ask for help because this is a very prevalent practice among the credit industry and they're designed to make money. So don't be afraid to ask for that help to improve your credit score, to improve your life. I mean, well, it's don't just, feel like you did something you know, wrong necessarily either. That's yeah, the other you know, thing a I long think. time ago, I had a, a homeowners association that I got got into a debacle with and on principle um, we went to court and I, I ended up with the judgment against me fair or not it's what happened in the thing I, I went without an attorney so that was 
wrong number one on my part, right? But the way that that got reported multiple times on my credit was very inaccurate and it caused a big problem. And it was something uh, that even with my level of expertise in credit and money and everything else, I couldn't handle it. Um, and I think it was your, your previous company helped me establish the ways to get that corrected on my credit report. Number one, to be reported correctly. And number two, let's just get rid of this and, and fix it up, right? So it's a pretty complicated process, one that I had tried honestly to solve myself by um, sending letters and, and doing this, but I'm not an attorney, so You're there exactly you go. Right. Yeah, that's exactly well, right. I, I can tell you what I'm hearing is even with, with what I consider generally good credit, because we do know that the better credit you are, the the better interest rates you can get. And when you're talking about a loan that you're going to pay off for you know 30 years, or even if you're going shorter, 15, there's still a lot of money in interest. And if, if 500 bucks can can get me to a point where I'm paying a lot less uh, in the long term, it, it, I'm, I'm thinking on my next major purchase, I might be having somebody do a review as well. So... All right, we're, we're, we're about to run out of time. So what I wanna ask you is something that we ask everybody. Uh, we, we finish up our question, which is, what is the craziest thing you've seen when it comes to credit and real estate? You know, I was thinking about that. Um, so it was a couple of years ago, I had a client that had went in to get approved for a home loan. And when she pulled up her credit, there was a loan, two car, uh, a home loan, two car loans, and a couple credit cards in her name from a person in Florida that had been paying everything on time, everything, never late, but someone had actually stolen her identity in Florida. She was from Kansas City, but trucking along, like paying everything on time, everything like that, her credit scores were fantastic. But she was like, wait a minute, I don't, I've never been to Florida, this isn't mine, and just bewildered. But when we got those items removed, her credit scores went from a 800 way down because guess what her own self she had a mortgage and she had one credit card and that's it so she didn't have enough credit lines no. to have good credit so we took off these items that were not hers obviously you know through investigation everything like that it took about a year but we figured out who that other person was that had stolen her identity but it actually made her credit better. Okay, does it make me a bad person that I'm thinking I would have just rolled with it? I would have just rolled with it. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. You might wanna just go ahead and get this. <laughs> no, but, that's, but you, you know, did of course the right not. thing, of course you did. Yeah, but yeah, tempting, wouldn't it be? Just uh, to be like, no. oh, it's good. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, uh, if, if and, and people may not know this, but of course the the company uh, Rescore is local, mm -hmm. and so that's a, a plus. And uh, so, how do people get a hold of of you guys, uh, you or you guys in particular, if they if they want to work with you on credit? So our website is www.rescoreyourlife.com, and then our phone number is one eight five five two Rescore. And of course, you can always find us on Facebook. Um, we're on LinkedIn. And then you can always reach out to me too. I'm always available. And so I will even give you my cell phone number, but I would caution you to text me, don't call, because I do things like this all the time. Sure. And so I can't always answer my phone. But if you text me, but my phone number is 816-686-9860. But if you text me, I can get a hold of you. But really, like, look us up on Facebook and things like that. We're always willing to help people, even just giving advice. We do that all day long and we love it. Right. And so the website again is rescoreyourlife.com. Correct. Thank you so much for joining us. It's 
absolutely fantastic and it's a great subject and I, I hope I have I hope I don't have clients that desperately need your services but it's wonderful to pick your brain it's it's, it's fantastic thanks for sharing the time absolutely thank you I think this information is just invaluable and I hope our listeners will get a ton of uh, help from it thank you for having me another great guest on Get Real KC. Thank you, Jana Fox, for joining us. Folks, tune in next time for our next exciting topic. Until then. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.